What's up, guys? Welcome back to Shadows in the Limelight. We've got a really awesome guest on today's show. His name is Rich Redman. Rich is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and when he's not doing that, he plays drums for someone you might know named Jason Aldean. This guy's positivity is through the roof. We end each one of our shows with Take Your Good Time With You, and Rich certainly does that and so much more. In the interview, we talked about how we linked up with Jason, his crash course for success, and tons more. Links to everything he's got going on are in our show notes. Let's let the interview with Rich roll. It is my pleasure to introduce Rich Redmond to our show. Rich, how are you doing this morning? How are you, brother? Thanks so much for having me. I, I am doing better than I deserve. Um, <laughs> you'll, you'll see the link in our show notes, but uh, how do you identify yourself these days? Drummer, speaker? I mean, what's on your business card? Yeah, I, you know, everybody kind of, I, you know, the elevator pitch is I'm in edutainment. You know, I'm an entertainer first, but like I have a teacher's heart. I have a master's degree in education. It's very um, important to me to be passing information that was so hard earned from the sweat of my brow to a future generation. It's just, you know, part of my DNA. I've always taught. I've always recorded. I've always toured. I just keep all these um these interesting balls in the air. So I kind of try to meet at the crossroads of entertainment and education. They're both like who I am and they're both very important to me. So where did, where did it all start for you? Like, where did you grow up? What was your household like? And I mean, what got you into drawing? I want to go through all of it. Let's hit it. Sure, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm a new England kid originally from Milford, Connecticut. And Milford is one of those little idyllic towns with the duck pond and the city hall and the, cute little square downtown area. And uh, it was great. I was there for the first 11 years of my life. I started taking drum lessons in 1976, 1977. I was six or seven years old. This was at the prodding of my dad. My dad is an accountant. My mom is a nurse. They're retired in Florida, soaking up their vitamin D every day, having their wine at five o'clock, watching the sunset. And um, But they were so supportive and encouraging. And they were like, why don't you do this? You know, you're hitting everything. And I think dad, my dad wanted to play the drums too. So he's like, I'll live this fantasy out through my son. But anyways, it, it was awesome to have parents like that. And anytime I meet parents, I say, if, they're, if your kids are into something other than like Fortnite or trolling the internet and being on TikTok, like support it like 150%. And my parents were those people. So, you know, it took me all the way to getting my bachelor's degree in music education at Texas Tech University, and then my master's in music education at the uh, University of North Texas, kind of a famed program, played a lot of jazz, uh, classical 20th century music, marching bands, symph symphony orchestras, um, African drumming ensembles, steel drum ensembles, gamelons, like did recitals. So when you come to see me play, you know, country rock music, it's just like the tip of the iceberg under the water is all this time spent in the trenches, you know, playing so many different kinds of music. To me, there's only two kinds of music, good and bad. And really, there isn't that many bad types of music, really, you know, um, you know, but, and even if it's bad, somebody's going to need a drummer, which is which is a great thing. But yeah, man, I studied the drums, fell in love with it, you know, was listening to Kiss. Then we moved to El Paso, Texas. Texas has this great music education culture. I was um, spending my every waking second watching MTV, like studying the drummers and the videos. And 
they actually had live concerts back then. It wasn't like the real world and reality shows. It was like music 24 hours a day. So I got the bug and I just kept building on that, you know, going to college. And then after, uh, let's see, 19, uh, this is so crazy. The year was 1997 and I was playing in this really hip top band in Dallas, Texas. And I gave my band two weeks notice and I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And this was after auditioning with people like Barbara Mandrell and Dina Carter and Trisha Yearwood, all these like famed songbirds. I was getting like great feedback on my playing. And I was like, well, I'm more of a New York guy or an LA guy. Um, and really kind of almost had my bags packed for sunny Los Angeles, but I was getting this great feedback from people in Nashville. I was like, let's go there. Let's, let's focus on, you know, what Nashville taught me was how to play a song. Right. And songs rule the world, you know, in three and a half minutes, people want to hear about love and loss and lust and, 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 and heartbreak and, you know, the stories of, of the common man. And so in that um, setting, it's never really been about the drums. It's been about the storytelling. It's about the melody. So I try to get in there and try to create a little Mona Lisa for these songwriters, these artists, these producers, these bands. And, and it's that very skill that bought me a house. And so I'm so grateful for Nashville, for my boss, Jason Aldean, the band that I've been playing with for over 20 years. And just, yeah, this community of Nashville. It's pretty when incredible. you started with Jason, how how did that connection happen? Where did, where did, I mean, was this an audition? Because I mean, at that time, Jason wasn't yeah now. Yeah, I started playing with Jason in 1999, so that was like uh, two or three years into my Nashville journey, and uh, same guys in his band, and so there was a a formality of an audition in the sense that the two guys that I still play with to this day, we finished each other's sentences, Kurt Allison on guitar, Tully Kennedy on bass. We played in other bands and they championed me because Tully was putting a band together for Jason Aldean. And so those guys were like, Hey, this guy is great. He's high energy. He'll learn the songs. You know, he's easy to, they championed me. And so I went in and did the thing and we got along musically and we got along personally. And then we just built on this thing. And now we're looking at, um, God, 20, 23 years or something of working together in that capacity and the guitar player Kurt I've been working with him 25 years so it's a real special thing and it's very rare because the music business is the wild west there is no rules there's no system for success and there is literally 99% of the time zero loyalty and so to be in a situation with your friends creating a new style of music and bringing that music to the people year after year is something that I'm massively grateful for. And so makes me so happy. If it seems like there is loyalty though, in one genre, it seems to be country music. It seems like we had Bruce Boughton on this show and he said similar things about Garth where after the yeah. first album that he put together playing uh, steel and he played the solo for, you know, must too young to feel this damn old. He plays it one take and, after they got it done, Garth said, you're my band for as long as you want. And he goes, you know, talk is cheap, but you know, there they go through all the different albums that Garth did in the nineties, same band, same guys. So I think that's cool yeah. that music does that. And it's cool to know that, that that's still, I mean, that was 25, 30 years ago looking now, obviously you're still looking with touring with Jason and doing these things. It's great to see that as well. But, you know, I think there's a lot of people that would say, you know, I've got this, this gig with, with Jason and we're touring, we're doing, you guys are doing big arenas. And I mean, 
you sell out everywhere you go, that would be enough. But that's just the tip of it for you. Talk to me about some of the other things you've got going on. I really want to talk about Crash. I think Crash is awesome. Oh, thank you so much, man. Well, um, yeah, I appreciate it. I had Bruce on my show. Bruce is a friend. We've done a lot of recording sessions together. Super small world. Um, you know, he's got a lot of insights on, you know, uh, you know, being a working class musician, you know, just showing up every day and bringing a song to life and trying to exceed expectations and, you know, be a team player and bring out the best in other people and bring a song to life. So I have massive um, respect for him. But you're right. Country music is um, there is definitely more loyalty there. It's a family, more of a family based system. Nashville has a is a little big town. You know, there's big town opportunities, but with a, a little town feel. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I'm a, I'm a self-starter. I'm, I'm, I'm highly motivated. Thanks to my parents that, you know, they gave me that, that gift. Um, and, you know, I would, like I said, I was always a teacher. So, you know, writing articles for music and drum magazines. And then I started doing drum clinics, you know, the bus would be going down the highway starting in 2004. And I would be with my flip phone talking to some community college professor, percussion professor, like, Hey, I'm going to be in town next Tuesday. And I've got a set of drums in the Bay of the bus and I want to come talk to your students. And so over the course of this 20 years being on the road, I built this brand as a um, reliable educator that can come in and talk about um, how I was in college. I sat in that band room and dreamed about success and stardom in the music business. And I made it happen. And this is what I've learned. And I'm going to give that to you. And maybe I could shave five years off of your journey. So that's been incredibly satisfying. And then from that, I've always been into motivation, like a student of, a student of like Napoleon Hill and Zig Ziglar and Jim Rome and all the you know great thought leaders. So I always soaked that stuff up as a young man. And I started kind of weeding some of those concepts into my presentations. And before you know it, um, a friend, a now friend championed me and said, you're great for Cisco. There's so much global messaging. I've done 12 events for Cisco, everything from 800 of their new hires at the Venetian ballroom in Vegas, all the way to the top 10 performers in the company at the top of the ghost bar at the Palms Hotel. And it's amazing. And so the message that I try to share is called crash. And so it's a little tongue in cheek, you know, easy to remember. People seem to resonate. They seem to like acronyms. And so it stands for commitment relationships, attitude, skill, and hunger, commitment, relationships, attitude, skill, and hunger, five things that literally, not musicians, of course, musicians, but literally anyone from any walk of life and any season of their life can actually use to be more successful, not only in their uh, professional life, but in their personal life. So in a nutshell, it's really like, you know, committing to your craft, being willing to to invest in yourself and put in those 10,000 hours and then realizing that relationships are your best equity in life and the people are the gatekeepers to all things. So you can't have enough friends and go in there and mix business and pleasure and cultivate sincere lifelong relationships. And also realize that attitude is 99% of the life and that enthusiasm is contagious. And then skill, you know, identifying the skills you need to be successful in whatever your chosen field is, and then not resting on your laurels. You know, you don't make great wine from rotten grapes. So you got to keep on moving. So moss doesn't grow under your feet. So learning new skills to stay ahead of the Joneses, right? So nowadays you have to be a jack of all trades, master of all. That's an expectation in today's world. And then lastly, having that hunger, having that fire that burns in your belly to be successful and surrounding yourself with like-minded people. You put all those concepts together, you're going to be an unstoppable person. And it's a message that I 
put into a book that's an Amazon bestseller, Crash Course of Success, Five Ways to Supercharge Your Personal and Professional Life. You can get it on in dead trees delivered right to your front door. You can download it to your Kindle or your iPad. Or if you sign up for Audible, it's a free offering with me actually reading you the book with these uh, golden uh, pipes of mine. And so uh, so it's something that I, it's a message that I bring to kindergartners in the cafetorium. It's a message that I bring to graduating classes in high school and colleges. And I do big pharma, I do farmers, startups, kind of like anything in between, you know, your Hewlett Packers, your Microsofts, um, hotel chains, restaurants, it's really fun. And what separates me from other motivational speakers is that I use the drums and drums are man's first instrument. It's something that connects with us in our soul. And so when you go out there and you're sweating and you're bringing energy to that skill, people are, are a little bit more apt to pay attention to your messaging. And, and I think this is all awesome. And I think it's cool that it applies to so many people, but one word that you said earlier that you kind of underscored was when you were using your flip phone, calling colleges saying, Hey, I'm going to be in town. You, you, you kind of have the credibility by saying I'm in town. I'm playing with, I'm playing with Jason and we're going to be at, you know, the arena down the road, but I want to do this. Yeah. But the word that you said was reliability. How big is that in your industry in general? I, I I've always been told that showing up on time and, committing to saying what you're going to do, whether it's a deadline or whether it's, Hey, I'll call you tomorrow. You better do it. There's so many things that require zero talent in life that can put you ahead. And a couple of those are it, but talk to me about reliability. Yeah. If you show up with a, a positive attitude, you can take direction. You're overprepared. You exceed expectations. You got a smile on your face. You got a firm handshake. You're, you're humble. You're grateful. You're, you know, being on time is, you know, is, uh, that's, uh, an expectation. It's actually to be on time is to be early. You know, when I have a recording session on Music Row in Nashville, we, the charts get passed out at 10 a.m. We've got our coffee. Everyone's like, hey, how's the wife? How's the kids? How's the boat? Boom, boom. We start making music at 10.01. But um, my drums are delivered by a, a service. They load in maybe the night before the morning of. And then at 8.30, 8.45 in the morning, I'm there tweaking my drums, spit shining them a little bit, making sure I have the gear that I need, making I have I have solutions to problems. If a snare drum breaks, I have another snare drum. I've got a toolbox. I'm just ready to go. And mentally, I'm not all stressed and sweating coming in last second. I meet the band. The band is coming in. I'm the first one there. So uh, being reliable in my industry is everything. And being reliable in any industry is everything. And that's how you, that's how you climb the corporate ladder. That's how you grow your uh, skill set and your career. That's how you put more zeros on the check, you know, is being reliable. People want to be around people that are reliable, that they know, that they like, that they trust, you know. On your website, you have a quote, speakers get attention, real inspiration gets results. Talk to me about that. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of speakers that do like breakout sessions. And I've done that before where you do like a 45 minute keynote and then you answer questions, you sign autographs, everyone goes home with a book and then there's a lunch and then there's a breakout session. And then you kind of work with whatever the theme that the, the company wants at that time to kind of drive these concepts into the employees. Um, I really like being just the right hook guy. I'm like the, the 45 minute, 60 minute keynote, give them everything I got totally drenched in sweat. And I go. Now it's, they take that inspiration, hopefully turn it into motivation to get real results. So maybe down the line, there'll be a training program or something, but I love being the, 
the guy that comes in and reinforces concepts that other leaders or teachers are trying to talk to their kids about. Parents, like when I do a drum clinic or a little motivational speech for a K through five class, I am trying to drive home the same concepts that the teachers and the parents are trying to drive home. But but they go, well, this guy plays drums, man. Look at this guy. He's twirling his sticks. He's all sweaty. He's, they're more apt to listen when somebody else comes in and reinforces that concept. So I love being that guy. And I mean, just kind of going back to everything that, that you do in your career and have done, uh, what you're, you're not selling them. I don't want to say a methodology. It's not as if it, you know, it's something that you could take home and no matter what you're doing, you can apply it to your life, whether you're a farmer from Eastern Washington or you're a businessman in downtown New York city. I think that's really cool, but what was something in your life or what was some of the best advice you ever received? Did you ever see a speaker? I don't want to say like you, because I, I don't think there's a lot of people that do what you do, but like, who, who did you see as like someone that influenced you outside of you? You mentioned your parents kind of give you that drive for what you do, but who's somebody that we can look at that you could go, you know, you might say, oh, I hear John Bonham and you're playing. Who's that on the yeah. speaking yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Well, I, I, it is a good opportunity just to kind of like drop the mic and like just give some props to all my teachers. My teachers were um, uh, Jack Berkey, uh, Jim Hargrave, Ricky Malachi, Byron Mutnick, Larry White, Alan Shen, Greg Coyle, um, Ed Sof, uh, Robert Chitroma, Ron Fink, and Henry Oxtell. These were all teachers and uh, that all through my formative years and they influenced me not only how they played the drums, but how they chose to live their lives. People with integrity, they they valued hard work, um, a big work ethic. You know, my parents gave me the work ethic. I always had a paper route. I always raked leaves. I always shoveled snow. I was always a little entrepreneur. You know, it's like I love playing the drums. So you got to do the things you got to do to run a tight business so I can find myself behind a set of drums every day. But as far as speakers, I'll name drop a friend of mine, um, Mark Shulman. He's just a little older than me, and he's been speaking for maybe like eight hour, eight years longer than me. But Mark um, uh, plays with uh, Pink, and he did all the Cher tours. You know, Cher was like, I'm done. And he did like five like retirement tours for her because she kept retiring. Um, But he's just kind of like a staple of the Los Angeles music scene. And now we're friends and colleagues. And if I can't do a speech, I send Mark. And if Mark gets double booked, he sends me. And so there's that thing, cool thing about um, championing people. But um, it's a similar thing that we both do, but he's coming from more the pop side of things. So there's may, sometimes there's more, co- there's companies that would be like, well, we like Pink's drummer. We are, our employees really like that music. And then I might be better for other people, like, especially in the, like the North, uh, sorry, the Southeast, you know, and the Southwest people are like, Oh, we really like our country music. At our co-. So they might want to bring me in. Right. But, um, but similar messaging, you know, rolling up your sleeves, working hard, uh, being a person of integrity, exceeding expectations, you know, the whole thing. But then there's also the drums and people love the drums. So, um, you know, I even bring up a, the CEO or somebody high up at the company that I can kind of do a light roasting. They come up and in front of all their employees, I give them a drum lesson and it ends up being some light roasting. And like, I mean, I've had guys that are literally they showed up in a helicopter and are wearing the top, top, top Rolex watch. And they get up and their employees are all just cracking up at them. And it's a really nice, fun, um, healing moment for company morale. 
you know. All right. Well, I want to do something a, a little bit fun. I appreciate your time, but I'm going to ask you like a, a handful of like five quick things just so my folks get to know you a little bit better. Um, who is your favorite musical artist? Favorite musical artist. That's such a hard one. I, I, that's one of the questions I ask my guests and they go, God, man, you know, I'm a professional musician, man. There, there's just too much good stuff out there. But what got me into music was the police. Stuart Copeland, Andy Summers, and some guy named Sting. They came out with a record in 1983 called Synchronicity. I had it on audio cassette. And um, I watched their concerts on MTV. And I said, that's what I'm going to do with my life right there. Boom. That was the flash. That was the spark. It's funny. Out of all the people I've talked to, I've never heard them come up. And that's awesome. I like that. Um, Favorite song to play when you get on stage with Jason that still gets your blood boiling to this day, just gets you going. Oh, nice. Um, there's a song called Any Old Barstool that's just a really perfectly written country song that has like old school storytelling, but like super modern production. And it's like, I just like it. I really do. I really enjoy that one. Favorite place you've ever traveled? Oh, man. Wow. I always used to say Los Angeles, you know, because whenever I would land there, like the weather's every time the weather's perfect in this giant you know, brontosaurus, um, palm trees and the, the, the beautiful Maui sunsets. And the, and then I ended up just going there so much. And so I feel like it's a second home, but I've been to interesting places. Like I brought in the year 2000 in, um, Iceland and I, you know, I rode camels in Cairo and I had kimchi in South Korea and ate sushi in Japan. So I'm just like a really fortunate person that, Music was the thing that allowed me to travel and travel is one of the greatest things you can ever do for your self-education and to grow as a human being, I think, to see and experience other cultures and foods and ways of living. I agree. I, in, in my line of work, I always get to travel to the place that I don't want to say that nobody wants to go, but everybody wants to see what Miami Beach looks like. And we'd get put somewhere three hours north of Miami, but you'd get to go and see all of the stuff in that local area and learn something you wouldn't normally like. And I, I actually liked that side of it. We didn't go to many destination places, but I felt the same. Yeah. Two more for sure. you. Um, yeah. You hit the undo button because something really embarrassing happened to you. What's one moment that you don't want to relive again? Because it was just that pie in the face. I should, this shouldn't have happened. Oh my God. Um, I love it when I stumped. Nothing, yeah, nothing like super dramatic comes to mind. Of course, there's times where, um, you know, you're like running off stage or something or you trip or, 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 um, or, you know, you know, you're recording some live to, you know, direct to, um, some live broadcast and you like drop a stick you know i'm i'm flanked by sticks like i got holsters of sticks everywhere because the one time you miss a giant backbeat with your band is like they give you the dirtiest of looks it's like what i'm hitting like tens of thousands of these things all night long and i miss one because i had to sneeze or i drop a stick but um nothing super serious comes to mind you know but uh but yeah yeah all right. Last thing, you've got so much going on in life when you're not on stage, uh, whether it's playing music or um, doing some type of speaking engagement. What's your number one hobby? What can we find you doing when you're not doing something like that? Nice. You know, I think that, uh, you know, my mother's always like, never stop running, son, because it's so good for your mind. And, and so, you know, sometimes you'll like 
stop doing something and you're like, oh God, my, my jeans are fitting a little tighter here. So you go back, you're like, all right, six miles a day, every day. But you know, I, I've always been a runner. I really enjoy that. Um, I love like-minded people. You know, the one thing the pandemic has done to me has left me a little PTSD is just, I can't see people as much, you know, I have to lock down a little bit more than other people because when it's time to go play the drums, I, I can't be testing positive. Right. So it's really affected my social life, but I love people. I love sharing a, a glass of red wine or a, um, a nice martini with a like-minded person, a friend. Um, I love film, you know, I love uh, enjoying new film. Uh, I love retail therapy, you know, going like, I'm going to the John Barbado store today. I'm going to use my discount and I'm buying a new jacket. Um, that always feels good. And you know, nothing, nothing is like a new jacket. I have a, some people are like, what's your hobby, Rich? Uh, ships in a bottle. Do you make models? I was like, no, I buy leather jackets. Like <laughs> there's worse things sick- to spend your money on. It's a real sickness. Um, but yeah, I always just tell people food, fashion, film, friends, the four F's is kind of what keeps me, you know, going and, and, and enjoying life, you know? Well, Rich, you've made my day better. Your positivity is uh, something to be really envied. One of the things that uh, I learned growing up that I use as the tagline to, to close my show is that uh, one, one thing that uh, my grandma used to me when I was a little kid, I remember being like six years old hearing this. She'd say, you know, your grandfather's best quality was that he takes his good time with him. And uh, I always say that, you know, remember folks, take your good time with you. And I think that that ultimate positivity and everything that you look at in life, you are somebody that takes your good time with you and uh, links to everything we've talked about are in our show notes. And it's been my pleasure, Rich. Thanks for your time. Oh, thank you for having me, David. I appreciate it. What a guy. Check out our show notes for everything this man has got going on. Go listen to his podcast. Check him out on the road with Jason Aldean. Check out his content on his website. Go on Audible and listen to his audiobook. Buy it on Kindle. Ship it to you on dead trees, as he called it. 2022 has been an incredible year for this show, and it's just the beginning. Be like Rich and take your good time with you this week. Be on time, be early, have integrity, and everything else Rich said. Just do it all. We'll see you next time on another episode of Shadows in the Limelight.